Do you know what defining characteristics are? A defining characteristic makes you you. For example, one of the elephant's defining characteristics, surely, is its long trunk. Uh, without it, is it really an elephant? Uh, how about a rainbow? A rainbow is defined by its spectrum of beautiful colors. That's its defining characteristic. And if it is not there, could you say that there is a rainbow? We couldn't, could we? If so, what then is the defining characteristic of a Christian? Now, to be sure, um, this is an important question with answers that need to be nuanced. And there are many ways that we can answer that question. But from this passage, I'd like us to see that a defining characteristic of a Christian is faith. Faith is the Christian's defining characteristic. And we see that in the first command of this passage, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. So in this passage, the first verse, verse 10, uh, tell us, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. And you realize that this exhortation to sing to the Lord a new song, this command, this exhortation follows God's comfort, the words of comfort to the deeply troubled people who have been let down in every way imaginable, a people who see no future, people who are left hopeless. And starting with chapter 40, God has been comforting them. At first, uh, he comforted them by telling them of his absolute lordship over the events and the course of history. And that was uh, chapter uh, 40 and 41. And he also comforted his people who were deeply troubled, telling them that he is going to send his servant. And we saw this last week, the servant of the Lord. And that God's comfort for the troubled people, people who have no hope and a new future, will come in a person. And that this servant of the Lord will personally embody all of God's strength-giving and hope-instilling grace. And so this command to sing to the Lord a new song is in a response to that grace. God reigns over history. And he reigns with power, but not only with power. He reigns with goodness in kindness for his people. And though the world seems to be raging against God and his people, he is moving history toward his designed purpose and end. And in that gracious purpose, God's people are always safe. And though they have yet to see it with their eyes, God will himself come 
in the person and the personhood of the servant to bring the mercy and comfort. And that's why we get this command to sing praises to the Lord. But, and here is the important point, this command to praise God, sing to Him a new song, comes before the promises are fulfilled. And that teaches us something really important. Praise is not just a grateful response after our prayers have been answered and when we no longer need God's help. Praise is actually an act of faith as we pray and as we wait for God's help. And the question to consider then is this. How can they sing? How can they sing? Because nothing has changed. You see, the circumstances after God's word of promises came were just as dire as before the words of grace came. So in between Isaiah delivering the message, nothing's changed before the message and after the message. Their future was still dire. They still could see no way out of their predicaments, no way to avoid the tragedy, the disaster, the pain that is before them. So how can they sing when nothing has changed? Well, from a pragmatic point of view, it is true. Nothing has changed. And yet, believers understand by faith that everything has changed. You see, when we speak, our words are hypothetical and they are contingent. Even our best intentions and most ardent desires often cannot overcome the myriads of hindrances before them. And so our words so often remain just that, words. But not with God. You see, with God and for God, to speak is to accomplish. And we saw that in the very first verse of the Bible, didn't we? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He merely needed to speak it, and it was done. And so, when God speaks, it is done. For us, to speak is merely the first step in a long chain of events that may or may not end up in our desired goals. But for God, to speak is to accomplish, and for God, to speak is the same thing as to do, because when God speaks, it is done. And because God has promised, yes, from a pragmatic point of view, nothing changed from before the coming of the message, the words of comfort, to after. From a pragmatic point of view, nothing's changed. But because God has promised, Believers, by faith, we understand that everything has changed. And that is why Isaiah and the Lord through Isaiah is able to tell people 
you are still waiting for these promises to be fulfilled. But praise. Because we, we tend to think praise, again, is what we do after God has answered our prayers when we no longer need his help. Uh, it is certainly that. We should thank God when he blesses us, when he, he comes to help us and he delivers us. Of course we should praise God. But realize that praise is also what we do as we pray while we wait for his help. Uh, praising God just at the moment when we need him praising God just at the moment when we do not see with our eyes how he is helping us. That is faith, and that makes us genuine believers. So first, sing to the Lord. Secondly, give glory to the Lord. Uh, If you remember from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That, of course, just means that faith is the Christian's defining characteristic, so that where there is no faith, there is no Christian. But faith also needs to be pointed in the right direction. Now, if you remember from a few passages before, remember from chapter 41, verse 29, how God rebuked the idols. God said, Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. Now, we we live in a very advanced society, post-industrial revolution. And so we think, we hear a verse like this, and we don't think much of it. But uh, during Isaiah's times, metal was rare and precious. Now, everything around us is made out of metal. It's cheap. It's so cheap that uh, we often don't even bother recycling or sell back. We just throw away. But not during Isaiah's days. It was labor-intensive. It was costly. It was precious. And so when they made idols out of metal, what they did is they made Uh, They're idols out of something that is durable and precious. Well, we can put it this way. They poured their heart and soul into their best laid plans. This was not just some flippant decision that they made, but they invested themselves. They spent dearly in order to have themselves some, some tangible Hope, something that comforted them. But of course, it was absolutely of no help. But what we need to realize is that idolatry is also an act of faith. But it is faith directed in the wrong direction. And when faith is directed at the wrong object, That's what idolatry is. We insist on our own agendas and as if mere believing, mere faith is going to save us. Uh, You know, people say, you know, this is what I want to do and I know, I just know it's going to happen because I have faith. I have faith that will happen. That's idolatry. 
Why? Because you've invested yourself into something that you think is durable and precious, and you've poured your heart and soul into it. But it's faith uh, pointed at something that is not God. And when faith is pointed at the wrong object, that faith cannot give us a future. And that is why in verse 17, God says, They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, You are our gods. You see, it's not faith that matters, but where our faith is aimed, where our faith is pointing. And that is why in verse 12 we read, Let them give glory to the Lord. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. Now, this links back to verse 4 of this chapter where we read about the servant of the Lord, of course, Jesus. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So faith is directed to the servant of the Lord, to Jesus, because it is Jesus who fulfills God's promise to uh, to Abraham. You remember how God promised to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see, sin and curse have spread throughout the whole world. There's not one corner of the universe, not one single person who do not have in them the terrible effect of sin. But the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, brings God's grace to every tribe and language and people and nations. He restores and redeems whole creation. That's why our faith is pointed at Jesus And Isaiah, in order to drive home that point, uses two polar opposite images. The first image comes in verse 13. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. And so in that verse, Isaiah is comparing God or portraying God like a mighty warrior who is stealing himself and gearing up for war. But he is no ordinary warrior. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. When we put our faith, our faith is in a battle-tested warrior whom no one can overcome. That's why when our faith is pointed at Jesus, we are putting our faith in a mighty warrior who faced death, rose and conquered death, the mighty warrior that no one can overcome. So that's the first image, the servant as a mighty warrior. But then there here comes a polar opposite image in verse 14. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. So on the one hand, 
Isaiah portrays God as a mighty warrior. On the other hand, Isaiah portrays God as an expectant mother. And I think that's telling us something really important. When we are in the middle of trials, when, like Isaiah's people were, they were staring into darkness, all hope gone, all future lost. We wish, don't we? We wish that God would act quickly. And we often get disappointed and frustrated that just when we need God to act quickly and definitively, we don't see God acting so visibly. And we are wondering, why isn't he doing anything? What's the holdup? Why is he waiting? I think we all experience that, don't we? But when we are in, in moments or seasons like that, what Isaiah wants us to know is that God is like an expectant mother who, for the safety of the baby that she is carrying, she carries herself gently. You know, an expectant mother... Well, in this day and age, I guess you can never know for sure. But an expectant mother usually does not step into a boxing ring, does she? An expectant mother usually does not go uh, compete in an, an Ironman competition. An expectant mother usually does not go roam the streets looking for trouble. Why? Because she is ever mindful of the precious baby that she is carrying. She is ever mindful that her actions have consequences. She is ever mindful that, that harm may come to her baby. And so, unexpected mother moves around slowly. And she denies herself certain pleasures. And she keeps her peace because... She knows that unless she carries herself gently, unless she denied herself the things that she wants to do, harm might come to her vulnerable baby. But now, she has carried the baby to full term, and now we begin to see her stir with urgency. And I think that tells us something really important about God. We, we might be in a desperate situation and we pray and we get frustrated and disappointed that God does not act more definitively, more quickly. But has it ever occurred to you that God is restraining himself because if he were to actually do all that he can, that you could not stand it? And so God, that's what uh, Isaiah is telling uh, Israel. God restrained himself as an expectant mother. He denied himself the justice that he, did, that, that he longed to see, the vengeance upon the sinners that he deeply desired. He, he denied himself that desire. But now Isaiah declares the time has come. God is stirring and he is going to act with power. 
And so, loved ones, don't think that God is slow or that He doesn't care about you. If He is slow, it's because He is keeping His peace in His tender care and wisdom for the right time. And that is, when we put our faith in the servant of the Lord, we put our faith in the one who carries us like a loving mother, who with every step watches over her baby, who acts with an impeccable sense of time. Give glory to the Lord as you wait. And so thirdly and finally, we see the promise that holds us. Isn't it so sweet that God cares for us like a warrior, but not just as a warrior. God cares for us as a mother, but not just as a mother, but as a warrior too. So in God, in his care for his people, we realize that he is both strong, and if I can put it this way, he is violent. Actually, the word Sabaoth, the Lord Sabaoth, which often translated the Lord of hosts, it has the sense, the Lord of violence. He is mighty, he is powerful, but at the same time, he is tender. And it's that God who promises, and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. And like Israel during Isaiah's time, we also may be in a season where we see no path before us. And there appears to be no way to avoid pain and difficulty before us. But you know, it's precisely then when we can see no path before us, we are the blind that God is speaking to today when he says, I will lead the blind in the way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. You said that's precisely what it means. You and I, we often find ourselves in life situations where we see no path before us. Every choice before us seems wrong, and every decision that we have to make uncertain. And when we cannot see the path, God says, I will lead you. I will guide you through a path that you cannot see. And you know, it is then, when we cannot see the path before us, it is then that we learn to look to God in faith and rely on Him completely. It's when we have nothing left to hold on to except His love that we are actually beginning to find our way. And so this is the promise that holds us. I will turn the darkness before them into light and rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Are you in a dark place? And does the path before you seem rough? Have you lost hope and you do not know how to continue? 
Sing to the Lord a new song. God's grace never stands still. His mercies are never static. Today he will give you grace. Tomorrow he will be merciful. Sing to the Lord a new song and give glory to the Lord. No, we most certainly do not celebrate pain and we do not rejoice over darkness. But in the critical season of deep darkness, we can take hold of God who is both strong and tender. And we do that by singing. We do that by praising Him. And we do that by giving glory to Him. Again, singing to God His praises, giving glory to Him, these are not the things that we merely do when we no longer need God's help. It is an act of faith. It is what we do as we wait, as we pray. And take heart and be comforted by this, that Jesus himself, he himself experienced deep darkness. And he knows what a rough path feels like. But he conquered over them for us. And in Jesus, we can also overcome. Amen. Now let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you come to our help and our aid in surprising ways. You tell us that you are mighty, a mighty warrior, and you tell us that you are tender like a mother. Thank you for that assurance, O oh God, and we pray that we may find strength and hope and grace against all the trials of our lives, against all the setbacks and disappointments. And please keep alive in our hearts the sense of your nearness and of your goodness. For we pray these things in Jesus' name.